Suburban Folk is excited to be working with our sponsor, Podcast Production School. If you've ever wanted to learn the hard skills that are necessary to support your favorite podcast shows, Podcast Production School has you covered. They're an online course designed to help you master the skills and strategies needed to launch, manage, and grow podcasts. They help you learn everything from audio editing to show note creation to marketing and promotion. You can get started learning the process by downloading their free podcast production or launch checklist strategy. Visit podcastproductionschool.com slash go slash suburban. That's podcastproductionschool.com slash go slash suburban. When you sign up, be sure to use the code suburban dollar sign 100. That's capital S suburban dollar sign 100 to get $100 off your order. Health, travel, finance, parenting, and home improvement. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. $250 a month into my child's 529 from the month that they start kindergarten, I should be able to pay for 80% of my child's college. Because I don't trust that most people will eat their vegetables. So usually our kind of standard is three servings of vegetables per meal. You take something like a a two by six and you cut it with a circular saw. That's like a superpower. Those middle school years are not as fun, but... At that age, they're still willing to talk to you. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg. Today is one of my favorite topics, travel. Lately, of course, there hasn't been much to talk about due to the global lockdowns because of COVID-19. At some point, those restrictions will be lifted, and we'll have to figure out the best practices for our own safety as well as the safety across the world. We also discuss travel agencies, both those that deal in the business as well as vacationers that are interacting with travel agents. My guest is Nicole O'Sullivan. She's a dedicated business consultant, coach, and mentor to travel agency business owners. As a 13-year veteran of the industry and former team leader within Australia's biggest travel franchise, Flight Center, Nicole has gone on to head up business development strategies for the USA's fastest-growing travel consulting firms. Her typical clients have experienced outstanding business transformations under her expert guidance. With a rapidly growing team behind her, Nicole is truly motivated by connecting with clients on a personal level, exploring their motivators, and helping them unlock new levels of personal and professional success. Nicole, thanks so much for joining the show today. I thought that we could kick it off by describing for everybody the scheduling process you and I went through. Specifically, we were scheduling about a month ago. So put us into the beginning, middle of March. You needed to cancel because that is right when all of the lockdowns started to occur, in particular in the US. And of course, you're based in Australia. So can you describe for us what you had to go through to get back home and get everything where it needed to be so you weren't left stranded in the midst of all of the COVID issues that are going on? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, you're absolutely right, Greg. It was uh, I was really bummed that we had to change our, our date, but it all happened so fast. It was I was pretty nonchalant about the whole thing. I thought, oh, you know, I've got a flight, not till May. I'll be fine. It'll blow over. It'll all be okay. And uh, I guess I woke up one morning and I had about five missed calls and messages on my phone from my family and, and travel friends in, the, in Australia saying, you literally need to get home now. And I thought, oh, okay, <laughs> maybe this is a little bit more serious than I thought it was. Uh, and so I was in Arizona, I was based in, Ari- well, I was based in Northern California actually. And then I'd done a little side trip to a business in, in Arizona. So I was actually in Arizona, but I had all of my things in Northern California. So literally within... It was like a 24-hour turnaround. I packed my things in Arizona. I flew back to um, Santa Rosa and I grabbed my things and I was in LAX within that time frame and on a flight back home, back to Melbourne. And yeah, and then got locked down for two weeks because once you arrive, arrive into Australia, you are then in quarantine, single, like self, self-isolation. self uh, So yeah, it was definitely an interesting experience. The you know, the airport being completely ghost town, especially LAX. If anyone's been through LAX, it's normally, you know, a buzz hustle and bustle airport. And to have no one around was really weird and a bit of a reality check actually about what was really happening because I was head in the sand a little bit feeling it was a, a little bit more hyped up than what it really was. Uh, 
but yeah, it now it now it is what it is, isn't it? It's a kind of a reality check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's becoming more real every single day. And I'm based in Virginia, so the other side of the country and California definitely seemed to be one of the first to really, really lock down. So that just realization, I guess, of it making its way to all the states. Yeah, it was maybe about a week or so afterwards. And like you said, I've been through LAX one time and it is a crazy place to be. So that's got to be extra strange to just be going right through the airport. One other quick question uh, before we get into some of the overall travel. Is it every single country that you would travel in from into Australia that you would be quarantined or were there particular countries that meant you would have to self-isolate for 14 days? Look, Australia has taken a really strong stance. Uh, so any flight that you arrive into, no matter what country you're visiting, you would need to be self-isolating. Um, and I guess the challenge was was that it was a little bit non they they didn't really have a way of policing that that was what was happening. So and I guess the virus kept spreading, uh, and so they put it down to international travellers arriving, which was the carriers. So now there is a new thing in place where if you now are arriving into Australia, uh, you are self quarantining in a hotel that is under lockdown. So uh, no going outside, no mingling with other people. So I kind of was lucky that I missed that that strictness. But I was, you know, I wanted to play my part in the community and I did the right thing. I stayed in my house for two weeks. I didn't go outside, didn't even check the mailbox. You know, I did the right thing. So, you know, but we had to be sure that everyone else was doing that, which I felt that maybe it was a little hard to police if that was really happening. But I'm not sure of any. I mean, is America doing the same thing? Like, oh, definitely, that is the recommendation. And gosh, it seems like the information's changing all the time. So I feel like I have started to read more requirements around, depending on where you're traveling from, that you will be quarantined in a similar way that you're describing. There's no volunteering about it. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. And then you would be released at some point afterwards. So for people listening, don't quote me officially on that because it is definitely fluid how the things are changing day over day. But it sounds very similar to what you're describing. But at any rate, happy that you made it home safe and sound. Like you said, did the um, socially appropriate thing of, of staying away from everybody to, to do our part, like you said. So let's go back for your history, can you tell us what your background is in travel and then some specifics about your consulting group and how you interact with travel agencies? Yeah, absolutely. So I have worked officially in the travel industry for going on 13 and a half years now. Uh, I, I don't know, I've had a real passion for travel since I was able to get on an aeroplane and fly. I guess I was, as soon as I turned 21, I was out of here. I was like, see ya, I'm, I'm going. So I, uh, I had my uni degree, university degree of graphic design uh, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and live abroad and see how I go in the, in the graphic space. And I guess uh, once I got the travel bug, I, I really loved it and felt that, uh, you know, this is a career that I really wanted to pursue. So when I eventually came back to Australia, I actually lived in Northern Ireland for a little while. Um, I tried to, I actually lived with a graphic designer and thought, oh, I don't really don't want to have this life. I really, I, I feel like I, uh, you know, every time people would say, wow, you're from Australia. And I used to talk about it so passionately. And they said, you should, you would be awesome in tourism. Like you really are passionate about you know, travel. And I was like, oh, that's a cool idea. I never really thought of that. So yeah, I moved back home to Australia about a year after and got a job in, uh, in the travel industry as a travel agent. And that was, that's the start of history, really. So I uh, I worked five years in Australia within a within a, within a major organisation in in Australia called Flight Centre. So they are you know the dominating business in travel over here in Oz. And so I worked there in Australia for five years. And what I did was I worked my way through being a consultant to becoming an assistant team leader to becoming a team leader. And when I became a team leader of a business, I, uh, it was a, it was a fairly new business and, and it was very much around, you know, flight center is, is like Starbucks is the best way I can describe in Australia. You go to a, a, a corner store and there's a, there's a flight center on every corner basically. So we oversaturate the market, uh, so much. So, so what makes my agency stand out to the one that's down the street? So 
I guess the answer to that is is how you treat your customer and how you treat your people and your business. And it, it took me a little while to to get that actual concept, but I just. I just did it. And then within two years, I, I turned that business into a $150,000 profit store. Uh, so that was that was a pretty awesome uh, achievement. And then I had this burning passion of America. I've, every time I'd go on vacation, I would fly to a USA. And so I thought, I need to move here. I don't care how I'm going to do it, but I need to live here. So... Um, I'm very fortunate that Flight Center had a business in the USA, so I asked to transfer across and I then moved into the wholesale space. So now I'm not selling direct to the consumer. I'm now selling to the travel agent to sell to the consumer. So that I lived in – I actually moved to Las Vegas, which that was pretty cool. I became a working girl in Vegas, if you get my joke. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was really awesome. It was great to live there, but I uh, – uh, I was promised this team of five people that we were going to open up the West Coast branch because uh, it was primarily East Coast, which was the branding. And I, th- I yeah, moved to Vegas to open up that department, but it only ended up being just myself. So I thought, okay, well, I don't have a team to run, so I just need to sell travel. So within six months of that, I became the number the, in the top consultants of the brand, and everyone was saying, "Why? How did? How are you doing this?" And I guess I just created a method of really listening to the travel agent and getting to understand their customer because at the end of the day, my job was to make them look like the superhero and get them to get the booking. So without them getting the booking, then I was letting them down. So I just kind of took a different approach and really just, yeah, knuckled in, got them to answer specific questions. For example, if you call my business, uh, if you call me up, I need you to have these five questions about your customer. If we don't have these five things, at least knowing about your customer, then I'm not going to help you get this. We're not going to be able to get this booking. So uh, my job is to get you the booking. So let's get these things done and then call me back when you've got these. And I promise you we'll, we'll, you know, really work towards getting that booking. So that was my, that was my secret sauce to, to my Vegas adventure. And then I didn't know this, but I guess I was being listened to on my calls. So people were listening in and, and, um, figuring out what I was doing and I got approached to become a sales coach, um, which meant that I had to move over to the East Coast uh, and work over there and do, yeah, sales coaching. So I thought, oh my God, me? Are you serious? Okay. All right. So I uh, packed up my little PT cruiser <laughs> and I drove from Las Vegas all the way wow. to New Jersey, and uh, which was pretty awesome. And I did sales coaching for two years and that was that was my that was my aha moment, my my light bulb where I went, this is why I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing. And I felt that, you know, the the things that we we're able to do for people in terms of showing them how to connect to customers, it wasn't about, you know, the commission that they were earning. It wasn't about, you know, uh, yeah, focusing down getting a great score on a, on a call when you're when you're being listened to and and getting coached it was really about saying did you get the booking no okay well let's let's pull this back let's listen let's let's listen to the language you're using let did you hear that did you hear when the customer said this let's really listen to the words let's let's really dial it in and and tune fine tune the language and the tones and everything like that that we're we're talking about with a customer you know either either face to face or over the phone or via email so that was that was a pretty awesome job and I really really felt that I was making a difference uh, you know I was I was talking to people who had been in, a, in the travel industry for over 35 years and you know they're sitting there going not only have you just opened my eyes to so many things but you've actually impacted my life and I'm like really oh wow that's amazing thanks so yeah it was that was a pretty fulfilling role uh and then I guess yeah I, I ended up uh being told that that department was going to be closed and so uh, I had a choice to go and uh, look after a business that was um, probably the worst performing uh, business in in the in Liberty Travel, which is the USA business that I was working with. And uh, they were online only, so they only dealt with uh, customers who were 
live chatting them or calling in. So they didn't have any face-to-face customers. So within the organization, they were taking the most amount of inquiry per person per day and converting the least. So it was a department they were questioning whether they kept open or not. And they said, well, do you want to see what you can do with it? And I was like, okay. So I jumped in with both feet. I learned about the people in the business and why it was not doing why why it wasn't performing and it really came down to belief and that they felt that customers were just wasting their time they weren't serious they were just you know shopping around and you know why would they ever book with me and all that sort of thing so I really worked on the belief system I really worked on changing our our views on the customer and so this was probably my pivotal moment of everything that I'd done in sales coaching I thought okay, if I don't do well here, I'm going to look like a fraudster. <laughs> so I, uh, I put all the elements in and I, yeah, we turned that business around within six months. So that became the number one most improved in the whole of the country. So that was pretty epic actually. And it was really down to the people. So I guess really the, the rest of my journey is, you know, moving back to Australia, doing different roles in different uh, uh, different parts of the business. So I've done uh, area leading, I've done, worked in crews, I've worked in, uh, you know, the, the sales coaching, I've done consulting, I've done so many different things. But I guess this is why I've created the business that I have. And, and what I specialize now is in, in really working with travel businesses on how to manage and lead and communicate with their team and their customers so that they can result in a, in growing their revenue and profits really, really quickly. And how I do that is I leverage off the five pillars of emotional intelligence. And that is really where we learn quickly to adapt, adjust and respond to times, especially right now in rapid change, uh, that we can really move away all the guesswork that we have. It all comes down to our people in our business and really – discovering that 85% of our sales and leadership success comes down to empathy and how 99% of the business problems can be really avoided. So that's really what I've 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 mastered honestly and and coaching teams is is really important to me. It's really about coaching leaders as well around how to get extraordinary results from your people every single day. It doesn't matter who it is that you have in your business, you can turn that around. And so that's really why I started that because I felt that with the experience that I've had within the 13 years, it's not just been selling travel to consumer. It's it's so many different areas and I've had pretty good broad experience on how to see different areas of the business and now how do I now make that as one whole offer that I can give people to to boost their self-confidence, to, you know, work around listening to cues of customers. There's so many different things around uh, how to build a business and, yeah, that, that's really oh, a long story. Sorry, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm so super passionate about uh, how people can really – make an amazing impact in their business and their life by applying the, the things that we talk about on a day-to-day basis. That gives us a very good foundation, I think, to work from for the questions that I have. And to your point about empathy, I imagine in travel, it's something that everybody probably assumes they can do on their own, maybe more so than other industries. So it would make sense that when you're coaching people, they have to focus on the cues and empathize with the needs of the customer because I would assume if you get too far to one side or the other, like you said on the phone part, somebody may just hang up and say, okay, I can go use fill in the blank online resource and just do it all myself. Uh, They're really looking for convenience and you got to be able to convey that. Is that kind of on the right track of... Well, especially these days, I mean, you know, with with technology as well, people can book a vacation with a click of a button on their cell phone. You know, it's not it's not hard to to book travel. So you have to really understand and believe that the reason why people come to a travel expert is because they're still unsure, they doubt something. You know, it's about it's about us understanding that there is doubt 
with that customer, that's the reason why they've actually even picked up the phone to call you or they've driven to your location and walked into your business. You know, no one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm just going to waste someone's time today and I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> like that, that, that's, that's a belief that I truly you know, even breathe, you know, no one does that. So uh, it's really about understanding the why and it's not about going through the tick questions and saying, yeah, I asked how many people, yeah, I asked their dates of birth, yeah, I asked, you know, how long they're going for. Like that's the general basic stuff that you would have to fill out online anyway. But now it's about going, what is this, what can I offer this customer that is going to, to show trust? It's going to, you know, create that bond. You know, I've got, I've got, Customer, I mean, I haven't sold in Australia for oh god, like nearly eight or eight or nine years. And the thing is, is that I still have clients today that are still my friends and still contact me, even though I'm not their travel expert anymore. They still reach out and say, "Hey, Nick, what what do you think about this? This is where we're going to think of traveling next time. Any tips? You know, like that. You you, you become part of their journey and their story. And you know, I, I here's the thing, Greg. It's like you know, you have a, you have your hairdresser, you have your, uh, your tech guy, you have, you know, you have people on speed dial, your lawyer, your, all these, your doctor, all these things that you have on a speed dial. And I used to say to my guys, I want you to be in this top speed dials. Who's the travel person that they call when they think of a vacation? I want them to think of you. So it's not about the now, it's about the future of, of becoming part of this customer's journey. And I think, that is something that the internet will never be able to do, and and that is really what makes the difference of a of a travel expert. I think that also emphasizes trust, right? Um, of course, making a good impression when you first have somebody there, and then hopefully you're building that sense of trust so that when they're ready for their next vacation and the next and the next, that you're that starting point that they can go to. Well, let me put you on the spot a little bit with your travel through the U.S. because I always find this interesting. What would you say is the best places that you have been able to visit while either living here or just in your overall travels? I've been so lucky uh, with the US I, because of my job. I, I think I think I'm up to 26 states out of 50, so I think I'm doing all right. Uh, but I feel like oh god, there's so many unique places. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Nashville. I've got to say, and just the southern states. I feel that. You know, I'm a big foodie as well, and I think uh, the fun part about my travel from Jersey, uh, from from Vegas to Jersey, was that we downloaded the uh, down, uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives app, and we uh, and the rule was we couldn't eat a cha- at a chain restaurant; we had to eat off the app. Like, so we had to find these spots, uh, and that was the most coolest thing I've ever done, and I had some of the most incredible food I've ever had in my life uh by just following this off the beaten track uh little places that were hidden gems uh along the way so yeah i would say doing the road trip was really awesome like i'm so glad i drove and didn't do any other way you know so it was uh yeah and you could tell instantly you're in a different state you know it's like the, the the scenery changes every single state you drive through so it was really awesome that's the way to go i went from Salt Lake City, Utah, where I was living right out of college, back to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I should have done what you're describing, but I basically just did, you know, 10 to 15 hour drives for three days and made it on the interstate and (laughs) really kind of squandered what could have been a bigger experience. I'm glad to hear that you took advantage of that trip and and had something already planned because I definitely didn't do that. So even getting us back into what's going on now and the lockdowns and uh, of course the travel industry is going to be hit as hard as any other industry, I would imagine. Not necessarily good or bad, although right now it's not good. What does that look like right now? And what do you foresee the landscape of travel looking like, let's say six months or a year from now? For me, knowing what I know about emotional intelligence is that I try not to think too far ahead, to be honest. I think it's day by day, week by week, but it's clear that the the travel industry is is not going to be the same as it was a couple of months ago, but that's okay. I feel that we're always in the midst of change. Travel is the craziest of change industries as it is anyway. So, you know, we've, we've undergone so many different things, you know, terror attacks to natural disasters to outbreaks already. I mean, remember Zika virus and all those things that happened not long ago. So I, I guess 
what what I can you know in my opinion I guess is what I can see happening uh over the next few months is that just like 9-11 changed the way we checked in for flights in security measures is that this is gonna probably bring a little bit more of a, a hygiene factor really isn't it it's gonna say have you had a checkup? You know, have you got any symptoms? Have you, you know, and that's going to potentially influence how we are traveling now. Uh, so I feel like that's going to be something to keep in mind of extra things to be prepared about when we are actually getting ready to travel again, when everything's up and running again. It, it's not going to be the same, uh, but there's nothing to fear about that. I guess it's just going to be an ev- evolving of where are we, what, what have we learned over this outbreak and how do we now move forward? Uh, and it will make us stronger as it always does. Uh, it's just it's just turbulent right now and it's and it's hard to understand what is going to happen. And I guess that where, is where fear does come in because it is unknown and it is uncertain. And as human beings, we need certainty. And when we don't have it, uh, we start to tell ourselves stories and sometimes that can go down the fear path and um, there's no... There's no good ending to fear, so it's uh, it's just about staying positive and just knowing that we can get through this and we will. And yeah, it's going to be a little different, but we'll adapt and we'll adjust, and that's what we have to just keep in mind, you know. And you mentioned having experience in the cruise industry, so I have to ask you if you have a perspective on how they will be impacted because, of course, they've been front and center in the news. We've heard of all these ships that have been docked basically indefinitely in the water. Do you foresee similar uh, iterations specifically for cruises or could it be a little more dire, the changes they're going to go through? Oh, look, you know, cruises is, is interesting. I feel that there's so many different brands of cruise uh, and it's almost like they're getting a little bit of a bad rap out there and it always seems to be the same brand, which tarnishes a lot of other brands with the same brush, which isn't true. You know, I think that what this has shown is that those cruise lines that have 3,000 plus passengers on board are going to probably, probably look at what is that going to look like future when we're out of this because there are other cruise lines that have less passengers which means that you've got more space between you and the next passenger as you're walking down a hallway you know these are the sort of things that I think they're going to have to maybe adapt and learn from those other cruise lines that are smaller but have a have a really good way of keeping that that social distancing as it was anyway. Some of them are actual features of that. You know, I remember being on a, uh, a ship inspection and them saying, uh, "Hey, you know, one of our benefits of this is that you know our our staff know you by name because there's enough people on there to know who you are. You know, but it means that you're not squished into a dining hall with thousands of thousands of other people. So maybe it's something like that. It maybe will transform into uh, how do we be on board a beautiful ship and see these beautiful places? Because cruise lines are phenomenal. It's a great way to travel. You only have to unpack once. You go to all these different destinations. It's fabulous. The food's generally fantastic. The, you know, everything's great about cruising. So this is really just about um, their levels of, of hygiene and how they're going to uh, uplift that uh, even more. Because I feel like they are actually pretty Clean, you know, ship inspections that everyone that I've been on uh, or been on a cruise, there is, they are really adamant about hand sanitizing and keeping clean. And, all, you know, like I, I can't tell you how many times you see a buffet getting changed over and over and over with different food. You know, they're, they're very, very on top of it. So I just think that it's just a little bit of a bad press at the moment. And, you know, they've been through some some crazy times as it is, but they'll bounce back. And cruising is a phenomenal way to travel. And I just feel like maybe the bigger cruise lines can maybe take some ideas from the, the ones that are, you know, the 1,500 to 2,000 passenger, you know, cruisers and see what they do. Maybe that that's all they need to do is just downsize slightly, but we'll see. I was actually on a cruise in the beginning of February. We were on Disney and, of course, everything hadn't unfolded as it had, well, about – a couple weeks or so after that. But yeah, they in particular, more so than any other ship I'd ever been on, had these crazy self-washing, hand-washing machines in any of the kids' areas to make it as easy as possible for them to stay clean. You were required 
to have these hand washing stations in the dining rooms. I can't say I've seen that in any of the other ships that I've ever been on. So I'll at least say kudos to Disney that it seemed like they were maybe a little bit ahead of some of the other experiences I have had. And also, like you mentioned about a way to travel where you're only unpacking once and you can see a lot of things within a particular vacation. My kids are age three and five. So that's why that way of traveling for us right now is very attractive because (laughs) it's hard to travel with kids that are that young. So you either stick with the local beach vacations, which there's nothing wrong with that, certainly. But if you're trying to go out and see some other cultures, places, things like that, then it is certainly an attractive way to go. So I am going to be interested to see how that all evolves uh, in the next, again, six months to a year. And like I said, I think that there's so many brands out there and it only seems to be a similar brand that keeps getting mentioned. And it's like, doesn't mean all cruise lines promise. <laughs> Just there, there are other ones out there that are very much not in that category. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that cruising is is one of the biggest growing uh, travel sectors in the in the industry at the moment, and and I I can't see that deterring them too much. You know, once you're a cruiser, it's like you you you'll go back and you'll do more and you'll see other other cruise lines, etc. So yeah, I don't see it crippling them too much. It'll just be a little bit of a setback, but they'll they'll be okay. I actually think I had read that that bookings for 2021 were already on the increase. Now, I'm sure some of that is people having to rebook what they've already had, but it also seems to indicate that it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, no way. Uh, And, you know, if you're a savvy traveler, I I think it's really right now is about um, t- talking to our travel experts, get on, get onto the phone to them because there is some incredible deals out there for 2021 travel. And you know, I, I can. This is again my opinion and a prediction, but I feel that uh, the yield pricing. So I don't know if you can remember a little while back, Greg, but I know from flying from Australia to New York uh, was approximately twenty five hundred dollars minimum to fly. Right now, um, before COVID nineteen hit, you can fly to New York from Melbourne for you know twelve hundred dollars, maybe uh, sometimes even nine hundred and eighty dollars or something like that. That is phenomenal. We've never seen prices like that, and that's because you know that travel industry sector was booming. Now, with it not being you know the, all the flights being grounded, etc., they're going to need to make some of that back. So I can tell you now that that yield is going to go through the roof. We're going to go back to those price, seeing those prices. So if you see prices now, get onto it because you're gonna once it's all back up and running, you're gonna miss out on those on those fares. Uh, so you know, don't cancel your trip, postpone your trips, so and that way then you can have those deposits already done and you just have to take advantage of what you've already booked. When I know for some of the trips that we have already had to postpone, there are even incentives that are being put on them to make sure you don't cancel. Um, some pretty nice incentives. And then to your point, so the theme is my wife is a big, big Disney fan. So not only did we do the Disney cruise, but uh, we were looking to do a long weekend at Disney World uh, actually this month, which obviously is not going to happen. So we just for fun, were checking what flights were looking like in the next three months, six months or so on. I don't remember how much we originally booked for, but uh, one of the budget airlines called Spirit, they had a one-way ticket for $17 at one point. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm sure those will not stay at that price and we can't book just yet <laughs> for something like that. But uh, we're, I'm definitely seeing what you're describing. Yeah, hundred percent, and and it, it'll it'll change. It'll it once it's all back up and running, and it will uh it it will change because they'll need to make that money back somehow. So they'll they'll yield the yield price will go through the roof. You just wait and see. <laughs> so we kicked it off with how you advise travel agents to get a rapport and of course make sure that they are making the sale um, when they have a new client on the phone or in person. What do you tell the consumer the value is in using a travel agency as opposed to going and booking everything yourself? Well, I guess right now you can see that having a travel expert is is key. Uh, travel experts provide expertise help in times of need absolutely and it's really about the experience like a lot of them have either been to the destination uh, have 
you know someone who has been, if they haven't been themselves, I mean, it's physically impossible to travel to every single place on earth um, and stay at every single hotel. But it really is about the consumer understanding that it's not about is a travel expert going to charge me more? It's not about that. They've got to look at value. And I guess this is where it's a, a catch-22 for the customer and the and the travel expert. It's about saying value is not a price. Value is a feeling. And a feeling is it could mean that I could tell you, Greg, that knowing what I just know now about you and your family with your kids and your wife and you're into Disney, it's really about me understanding that aspect of it. And so what it is, Greg, is about really understanding you as a customer, your family as a customer. It's about me emerging myself into your dreams about what you expect from this from this vacation. And it's about me then matching those expectations to be able to make the dream come true. So that when you're on vacation, all you have to worry about is what you need to pack. We do everything else for you. And and again, like I said before, you could book it online yourself. You know enough about it. You could go and do it. But what if you, you went to an expert? What if they could tell you something that you might not have known? And I think that that's where the value lies. Like I said, value is not a price. Value is someone be willing to pay more even because it means the most to them. And that's what travel experts need to really dive into is to understand the customer more than surface level. You know, people come, it's like when you walk into a store and they say, oh, hey, uh, are you looking to buy a pair of jeans today? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just browsing. Thanks, though. You know, and you're walking around the shop like, oh, stop following me. And, you know, like, uh, you know, because I guess they, they come at you with that sale and it's like, oh, do you want to buy this? And this is what the ideal is. And you're, think, you're like, okay, cool. No worries. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go and have a look myself. But, what it is is about going imagine if they came up to you and said hey greg how are you today oh so what is there anything that you're looking for in particular like what what brings you in today tell me a little bit about what what you're looking for and you're like oh i'm just looking for a pair of jeans awesome well tell me a little about your jeans like do you want them to fit this and do you want, if, if that was the consultation it would feel more inviting it would feel more like it wasn't about just getting the sale it's, it's and i think that's where customers can probably vouch for the fact that Sometimes they just feel like a number. They feel like, oh, great, they took my money, and then I'm and then I'm nothing to them. And that's where that's where the opportunity is from a from a travel expert's perspective is to really show that it's not just about getting the sale. And, and I'm going to share something with you actually, where this is something that I talk about all the time. And I think that with choice, we've all got a choice of how we book or or uh, purchase a vacation. And here's the thing. I look at it from this perspective that because there is so much choice, essentially what your customer is doing is they're interviewing you. So they're interviewing you to say, are you the right person for the job? Are you going to satisfy my needs? Are you going to be the employer that I need or the employee that I need that's going to actually shine bright when I need them to shine bright? So when you think of it from that perspective, you think to yourself, when I go to a job interview, I don't go with the job with the with the idea of going for a job and working for one day. I want to go and create a career in this in this job. So I want our travel experts to look at that to say your customers are interviewing you for a job for a lifetime, not for a one-off. So how are you going to be the employer? employee, sorry, that stands out the most for that person to keep hiring you and to keep hiring you and keep hiring you. And then it could mean sometimes that you work for voluntary work. It could mean that you work for minimum wage. But what you're doing is, is that eventually you're going to get that massive vacation and they're going to end up telling people about you because you become now they're in their speed dial. So it's like when they're sitting down at a table with their family and friends at a family barbecue and they're talking about travel, you imagine them telling all their family and friends about you and now all of a sudden you're getting hired by other people and I think that that's the concept that I love to bring to travel experts to say this is the impact that you can have on people when you just look at it from that perspective because yeah we want jobs forever we don't want a one-day job also connecting something that you mentioned about hey everybody can't have traveled everywhere the other snowball effect I imagine you would get in retaining your customers is the feedback after they've come back. Now, of course, if it's bad feedback, that may mean they don't trust you. But um, if it's somewhere you haven't gone and there's the trust going both ways, then you'll know whether or not some of the recommendations you had are good for somebody else that's wanting to go somewhere. So um, 
it just makes that network that much bigger, which can increase your authority on a particular area or just travel in general. Oh, absolutely. It's that it's that human human connection. I think that's something that especially during COVID-19, I don't know about you, but I am definitely sick of talking to my cat. I really want to have that human connection, you know, yeah, I'm right. even I'm ordering things on Amazon just so I can have a delivery guy to knock on my door. Um, but, you know, I think that uh, having that human human factor is is so important. So don't fear that follow up call when they get back from vacation and calling them up and say, you know, I ask three questions actually. My first question is, tell me everything. I want to know what was your wow moment on your vacation. The second question I ask is, uh, what is the next place that you're thinking of traveling to now? And the third question I ask is. I hope that you enjoyed my services. I would love it if you could refer me to a family family member or a friend. And they're the three questions that I would always ask a customer when they arrive back from their vacation because it's just creating that job, yeah, for future. Definitely makes sense so that that way they're thinking about it and, again, expanding your network. What are the size of the agencies that you're typically dealing with? Because in my mind... I think of most travel agents I've interacted with generally being their own entity. Uh, is that the most common or does it tend to be a group of folks that make up a travel agency? Yeah, there's there's a few different ways. There's uh, what we call consortias. So they have uh, a, a travel network of group. So they'll have people that are a remote agent. So they work for themselves, but they're part of the consortia family. So it means that they can use their products and services, et cetera, et cetera, to be able to sell or on sell to their customer. So, I mean, honestly, I, I work with generally boutique, uh, smaller agencies to anywhere between 35 and 50 uh, people that work in the organization. And sometimes there's, you know, opportunities to work for a little bit uh, more bigger entities. But right now I feel that those that uh, could really benefit from those those coaching sessions and from having me uh, come in and, and my, my business is named Bird's Eye View. So the way I look at it is I come into your business, I view have view conversations with, with every single person that's in the organization that's selling and I help to identify gaps and how I do that is through uh, emotional intelligence assessments so that I'm able to see very, very quickly where the gap is and we work on how do we grow emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is something that is being, is able to grow and expand. It can also shrink as well. So it's really about how do you have some self uh discipline and how do you uh, work and start to think about you and how do you grow yourself so that's really about that it's about that self-exploration and then what happens from that is an organic growth of sales so you'll start to feel more confident you'll start to feel that you're a bit more self-aware of the words that you're using and listening to the words that your customer is saying and all those sort of things. And what will happen is organically you'll start to earn better dollars and therefore the company will profit in revenue growth and profit growth. The story you told for yourself of going from graphic design to realizing travel is more of your calling, I would like to think that that speaks true to myself. (laughs) So I could see me being excited and then that being a motivator to yeah get better at sales and ultimately get the people I'm speaking to and trying to sell to excited. So I I would imagine that you probably could tell that fairly quickly. You could sort of spot people that aren't as into it as we might be. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think that uh, you, customer service in general, whether you're selling travel or selling a car or a house or anything, I mean, customer service is tricky and it, it's, it's hard to decipher sales cues and prompts uh, if you're not tuned into it. And and I guess that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's about sharpening your skills. It's about mastering your craft. There's no level in, in, tra- in, in travel or service period that actually says, great, you're the master of sales. There's no such thing. You've got to continue to build on your own skill set to become better and better and better. There's no clocking a level in, in travel or service. It, it's really about always working on yourself. I mean, I'm one of those people that I will go and listen to podcasts constantly on other people that are doing other things because I want to learn. I want to know I'm not the best at what I, you know, I'm not the, I don't know everything. I, I 
I will never claim that I know everything, but I definitely apply and stretch my mind to try different things and be open to others' perspectives. And that's really my own self-growth. And I feel like if I could cast my mind back to 13 years ago before I walked in that door and you told me that this was the journey I was going to go on and I would have lived in the United States and I have worked in eight different brands within the same organization uh, and now I'm starting my own business, I would have laughed in your face and said, you've got to be kidding me. So, you know, it is really about that stretching yourself, being uncomfortable and being okay to be uncomfortable because when you're uncomfortable, it is where why we are learning because we don't like doing something that we're not comfortable to do. So, the more you can expand yourself to be uncomfortable, the more you start to stretch yourself. It's like a rubber band. The more you pull it, the more you pull it, the more it stretches. And that's how our mind is. And that's why it is really important that especially during this time, it's so easy to go into that comfortable ball and sit in your bed and go, I don't want to get out of bed today. Uh, but what can you do to really push yourself to stretch, uh, to to try something that's different? And what will happen is your mind will start to grow. And that's really, that's really what I love to do is to really push people into, you know, in a, in a nice way into an uncomfortable zone, in a safe zone as well, where I'm like, I'm not going to let you fall. I promise I won't let you fall, but I am going to push you because when I do, I promise you, you'll come out the other end looking like, you know, you've never thought that you could ever do that. To me, the analogy is like working out, right? You don't want to push so far that you injure yourself or the next morning you can't get out of bed, which means you're never going to want to do it again. But you do need to push to that level of discomfort <laughs> if you're going to actually see any gains. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, and I think the thing is at the moment is, you know, we all have a human need of certainty and because the world is a little uncertain at the moment, we start to tell ourselves stories in our minds that create certainty. So you start to tell yourself a, a really fabricated story that makes you feel like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that must be exactly what it is. Yep, that's that. I'm convinced that's what it is. And when you feed yourself with the news all day, uh, it's just feeding that fear and feeding that story to the point of you can't come back from that or it's going to take a really hard way of turning that around and getting out of that that funk because you've convinced yourself so much because you need to have certainty. So that's that's what's happening I feel at the moment is that you're either fighting or you're or you're flighting and you're going down the other way. And if you're gonna go down the other way, you just have to be really mindful that you don't go down too far because it's uh it's hard. It's hard to not be amongst the fear uh because it's everywhere. Uh so yeah, this is why I think more than ever I'd love to be able to help people right now through this because, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that there's not moments that I haven't told myself stories, but, you know, I think that that's where emotional intelligence comes into it is that I'm instantly aware that I'm doing it and I say, okay, I'm just telling myself a story here that's not true. It's where did I where did I hear that? Where did they hear that? What's the facts? I, I don't have them, so stop telling myself a story. And that's where emotional intelligence is really important right now. That you can you can identify that and quickly correct it so that you don't go down that hole. And let's switch gears a little bit to the potential travelers. What would you tell people that maybe haven't done anything more than go to the closest beach they can find for a week and come back and they do that once a year, the benefits of maybe expanding out into some different ways of traveling or just seeing the world differently. What, what are those benefits? I love that quote is that uh, travel is the one thing you buy uh, that'll always make you richer, you know? And I think that it doesn't, travel is so personal, Greg. It's, it's, it, people travel for so many different reasons. I, I can't, t I mean, I remember a guy I booked travel for in Australia once and he was traveling around the world to follow a bird. Uh, it's a special bird that was a really rare bird and he wanted to, and I was like, okay, okay that's cool. It, it's so personal. And I think that, I guess, I guess what you need to ask yourself is, when you expand your mind, I guess, what does travel create for you and, and what does it create? It creates that feeling of fulfillment, gratitude. It helps you to appreciate what you probably took for granted every day. I, I know one of the top places that I traveled to was Africa, for example. 
I went there and came home and thought, oh my gosh, I just appreciate having a house and uh, being able to be home and, and feel like I'm, yeah, I, I'm so grateful for the things that I have versus someone who doesn't even have a pencil, you know, and it was just, just it does so many different things for you, but it, it's so personal that it really is about not being afraid of, of different cultures, not being afraid of different things out there. You've just got to give it a go and it, it'll it'll change you. It, it'll, it, it'll enrich you. Like I said, it gives you gratitude. It can relax you. It can create adrenaline. It's curiosity. It's, it's breathtaking pinch yourself moments. It's just the world has so many things to offer in so many different ways for so many different people that – it's it's really about you don't know until you go and what's the worst thing that can happen? Nothing. I mean, you, you, you go and you might hate it and you go, okay, well, I'm not going to go here again. Where else can I go? Uh, and, and it's just it's just the, those things, you know. Uh, if you haven't been or left your state, just give it a go. Try, start with small steps, try a different state, and then just see what's out there. And I would definitely tack on what you're saying about experiencing other cultures and then ultimately – it giving a perspective on your own day-to-day life, maybe good, maybe bad, but it will definitely give a perspective. And like you said, even if they end up hating it, let's be honest, most of your memorable stories, especially when you're traveling like abroad, are the really stressful situations. I've told a story on the show before when I was 12, I, I believe, when we were traveling to Germany. We didn't have a place to stay. My dad was booking um, like hostels and uh, Zimmers and stuff like that along the way. And when we got to Berlin, he couldn't find anything. He would stop and ask people what hotel we could look for. And there was one called Novotel. He didn't understand what they were saying. He thought they were saying no hotels, like everything was bought. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a story, of course, I still remember as they're obviously stressed and sort of panicking that <laughs> we have to stay somewhere for the night. But hey, even even those kinds of stories actually tend to be the ones that will stick with you in your travel. And like you said, if you don't get out of your comfort zone, you could very well miss out on those kinds of experiences. From a cost standpoint, if somebody's saying, you know what, just can't afford it, it's never going to be part of my budget. What do you tell people as a way to overcome, whether it's a perception or reality, their budget? Yeah, I guess a budget is is a necessity. Obviously, you, you we all would wish we could fly first class all the time and you know uh, live that five star life. I mean, but I guess the thing would be is that start with what you can afford and uh, and know that even if you have something to look forward to, and I and I totally understand that United States is a little different uh, than Australia with with your uh, annual leave and your vacation time. You know, like we get five weeks a year minimum in Australia. You guys get two. So you know, with, with the difference in in that culture, it's about what are you going to do with that two weeks? And I think this COVID nineteen situation has shown how much it is important to understand that. Yes, work is important, but we have been so stuck in the in the hustle and bustle and grind every day that you need something to look forward to. So the greatest thing about travel is it's so flexible. So you can book something months in advance and you just pay it off. Like you just, you know, cut 50 bucks a week or however that may be. It's like, what what are you willing to sacrifice to grow? So it could be, all right, I'm not going to drink alcohol for a week, you know, and you go, okay, well, that, that, that bottle of wine now, I'll put that into my travel kit and that way then I can afford to go and do this. You know, my advice is definitely to look at what are, what a destination, especially if you're, you're pinching your pennies, is saying what are the places that I can go that's going to get the best bang for my buck. And like I said, value is not price. Value is a feeling. So what do you want to go and do an experience? And how do we, how do you talk to a travel expert and tell them, look, I don't have the world's biggest budget, but this is what I really want to get out of this vacation. This is what I want to feel. This is what I want to see. If I close my eyes and I imagine what it's going to look like, this is what it's going to look like. And then that's their job. They are, they, they are craft masters, right? They sit there and they go, okay, thank you for telling me what you want to do. I now see your canvas. Now let me paint my canvas and I'm going to match it together and I'm going to make it happen. And it, and it might just be the beach vacation or it might just be something, but that is our job. That is what makes us so stand out to, than what is online because online baits you with cheapest and we go down that road and I can probably hand on my heart tell you there are countless customers that I've 
worked with that have come back dissatisfied because they've booked online and unfortunately online did not meet their expectations. And that is what is important from a travel expert's perspective is that we have to know their expectations and manage your expectations to be able to meet your expectations. And if someone goes in with a price expectation and that might fulfill that online but it doesn't fulfill the experience expectation then that is why you leave dissatisfied so that is that is really the most important thing is what is the most thing that is important to you what are your non-negotiables and go and speak to a travel expert that is that is their role that is their that is their passion and that is something that they are so good at doing is actually making your dream a reality and uh it doesn't matter the budget we make it happen and maybe another way to look at it too is think of your travel as buying a gift hopefully you're buying the gift for yourself and family or whoever's traveling with you and you wouldn't go buy a gift and look for the cheapest thing that's gonna fulfill whatever the person wants right you're wanting it to be something that you remember and like you said makes you richer ultimately when you purchase it so maybe that's a way for people to to keep that in mind that um when you're gifting something to yourself you don't want to necessarily cheap out because you don't want to get there and then realize you got what you paid for yeah 100 percent. i can't tell you how many times you know people have said to me oh my god i had a view of a dumpster for seven days and i'm like yeah well that's not really great is it (laughs) You know, the other side of the resort, you could have had a beautiful ocean view and, and it would have looked sensational. So, you know, what's what's the most important thing to you? And that's that's our job is to is to really uh, make that what you when you close your eyes and imagine, it's it's about us making sure that we get it as close as possible to that. Well, one last question before I let you go. Um, Australia is definitely on my bucket list. So what would you say are the one or two things that anybody doing an Australia trip should experience or visit? Oh, wow. There's so many things. Australia has so much to offer, but I understand you guys have two weeks <laughs> uh, or maybe two. Um, I would say, oh, look, the most popular is um, the east coast of Australia. So really getting to see Sydney and the Barrier Reef, uh, Melbourne. I'm from Melbourne. I'm going to be a little biased here and say that we've got probably one of the most multicultural cities in in the country. Um, So if you're a foodie, this is a beautiful place to visit. But we've got it all. We've got uh, desert. We've got beautiful coastlines. We've got the most incredible animals, Uh, you know, the – yeah, the culture here is is we're all friends. We all are friendly and and love visitors. And anywhere you go in Australia, it's going to enrich you. It's going to everything that you would hope to have, you know, to cuddle a koala, to see a kangaroo, to go and dive in the barrier reef. Uh, it's it's pretty incredible. It's It's got so much to offer. Uh, so, look, yeah, if anyone wants to know about Australia, I'm more than happy to, to help them out. <laughs> Well, I, I know when we eventually do our trip, we will at least be taking two weeks, maybe longer. We'll we'll figure it out one way or the other. <laughs> so you know, you got my contact details, Greg. I'll happily help you out. <laughs> <laughs> right on, that's perfect. Well, speaking of contact details, do you want to go ahead and give folks your contact info where they can get a hold of you on social media, and then just any other either announcements that you have? Absolutely. So my website is birdseyeviewconsulting.com. Uh, and from there you can schedule a 10 minute call with me. Uh, I can talk to you about anything that you, that you're fearing at the moment, especially in, in the, with the COVID-19, uh, epidemic or pandemic. Uh, if you feel that you just want to have a chat, give me a call, uh, and see if we can potentially work together and I can help with giving you an assessment as well that, that will help you to identify areas of how you're growing your emotional intelligence. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. So Nicole O'Sullivan, uh, at LinkedIn and it's connected to my bird's eye view consulting business. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're the two best ways to get in touch with me, Greg. And, uh, I, I would love to be able to, to work with people, especially through this and really to understand that they're, uh, uh, definitely ways that we can get out this stronger than and better than ever before. And I'm excited to, uh, yeah, continue my journey. I, I love working with the United States. It's just something I'm very passionate about. I think maybe in my previous life I used to live there or something, I don't know. But I know I'm very passionate about the USA and I feel that uh, at the moment um, everyone can, can use a little bit of positivity and, uh, and ways that they can focus their energy on things that are a bit more uh, 
you know, yeah, in in that light of positivity instead of it doom and gloom. Because I promise you, we are going to get out of this and we are going to get through um, to a different world. But it is going to be uh, what we make of it. It's going to make it even better. So, yeah, I'm excited and I've really appreciated uh, having ha- you having me on today. So thank you and uh, yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, likewise. I appreciate you taking the time, Nicole, to be on the show. I will put all of your contact information in the show notes. So if folks are looking to get in touch, they should be able to do that. And again, stay safe out there and uh, I will talk to you later. I will. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, everyone. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to be notified of future weekly episodes, please hit the subscribe button. If you'd like to help us even further, visit suburbanfolk.com and you'll find a donate button where all the money goes back into the show for you. Thanks for listening. Suburban Folk is part of the Pod All the Time podcasting network with 12 other great podcasts. Head over to suburbanfolk.com for links to their shows. We're also part of the Ring Media Network. Go to ringmedia.com to learn more. That's R-R-I-N-G media.com.